Good morning, pet appreciators. Good morning, Twin Cities, and welcome to the Pet Connection Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Happy to be here with you on this Sunday morning, even though it's a little dreary. Um, I'm joined here with Dr. Nicole Peralt, um, our wonderful co-host, and I'm sure she's um, uh, happy to be here too, but is it dreary where you are too, Dr. Nicole? It definitely is. It's very dreary here in Wisconsin. Yeah, and you know, I... Uh, pet appreciators, I'm sure this has been on your mind too, and it's been on my mind all week long. But Hurricane Dorian, you know, um, and the first thing I think of is, well, I mean, there's there's just so many first things you think of, and then your mind explodes. At least that's what mine mine does in these terrific, horrific natural disasters that, um, yeah, that you just wish would never ever happen, um, or that we would always have the magic solutions for. But, you know, just watching, the reason why I'm bringing it up is just, you know, because there were so many people there hunkered down with their pets and some made it. And we saw, I'm sure, videos of those. Um, I know I did on the internet, but we know that some didn't, people and their pets, Um, a lot of cattle, other wild animals. And I just can't start the show without saying, hey, people in spirit. People's spirits, animal spirits, wherever you are, um, you're not forgotten. Your tragedy tragedy, will not be forgotten, and, um, you know, you're just in our thoughts, and I just just feel terrible about it. I just wish I could magically do something, and I can't. I can donate, and I'll find an organization to do that, you know, Um, and I want to make sure it's a very specific donation, you know. I want to make sure that it's doing something here and now, you know what I mean? That's very, very beneficial and not something that, you know, might get lost in the shuffle or whatever. But I just I just feel terrible about it. And, um, you know, I was just amazed how many people just sort of hung tight to their pets and their kids and, you know, um, and, and rode out that, that horrific storm with no no way of ever, ever knowing how bad it was going to be or that it would just stop and sit on top of the island who, who would have thought that, you know? So, but I don't know. I just had to say that. And then, of course, it reminds me, pet appreciators, of the whole preparedness plan. You know, you can have a plan for a natural disaster. For us, of course, it would be flooding or tornadoes, you know, snowstorms, whatever. Have your plan, you know? Just make sure you have your plan and make sure all the important people, you know, your network um, knows about your plan. And you know what? Have a backup plan because the best laid plan might not even work. It might, with natural disasters, it might not cover all the things that you thought it would cover. And I just, I just wanted to say that that's been on my mind too. Like a lot of people prepared for this, but there was no way you could prepare for it. You know, like normal, rational thinking on how to prepare for it, like went out the window, you know, so to speak. Um, because this was just so horrific. But um, but what are your thoughts on that, Dr. Nicole? I totally agree with you. I can't stop thinking about the animals, and I think about even, you know, the elderly that are in wheelchairs, or it just all these, just all of this stuff, um, you know, anyone who's handicapped, um, you know, animals that were, you know, trapped in crates, and I just, it makes me just, ugh. I don't even like thinking about it, and it just feels just so sad so I know they always talk about you know when you see things like this just look for the people that are helping and it definitely makes you feel better and I totally agree with that um I saw a little video this morning of a of a woman who um, kind of went into the flooding waters to to save this little cat that was just hanging onto a fence and kept trying it was almost about to be washed away Um, you know, into the hurricane floods and everything there. And she was able to get the kitty. And so it was just heartbreaking watching that cat just trying to hold on. And then thankfully that lady was able to go grab him or her. And um, you see stories all over about that. So that's kind of the stuff that I'm focusing on, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I I don't feel like I can do much else, you know. There's, um, I mean, it just uh, reminds me that, People can be so resilient, and there's so much inside of us that are untapped in terms of our strength. 
in our creativity. Um, but right now I'm focusing on the, the strength and the ability to problem solve. And the, the story that you just said and some of the ones that I've read about on the – because I don't have a TV, so I just got to get it off, you know, the internet or whatever. And, you know, you know me, I'm a news junkie, so I'm like always, you know, more of a political junkie, I should say. But always checking, you know, checking that stuff out. And, um, you know, the BBC had some really good reporting, Washington Post, uh, Nassau Guardian, um, you know, some of those sites. And, and it's just amazing to me just how deep – um, the strength can go in a human being and, um, you know, just want to commend that, that strength. You know, we all have that pet appreciators. We all have it. You know, we hope that we don't ever be in a situation or find ourselves in a situation such as that, uh, her horrible hurricane Dorian, but, um, we have that in us to pull through out of t- tough times. So, um, um, we have that in us to do good for our children. We have it in us, you know, to do good for our animals any animal. So um, I just, that's just what sort of stuck stuck in my mind. Uh, there was also another story that just went sort of wild. It didn't matter what website I was on, CNN or MSNBC or, um, you know, Washington Post, New York Times, Nassau Guardian, the BBC, NPR. Oh, I don't know if I found it on NPR, but, but, um, but that's a great news site too, but whatever. Um, uh, but that was the woman. And I don't know if I'm saying her first name correctly, but Chella is how I phonetically am saying it, Chella Phillips, in Nassau, which, you know, is the capital city of the Bahamas on the island of New Providence. And that didn't get hit as hard, but they did have some strong winds and some rain. Um, you know, and typical island, the electricity will go out for a while. doesn't even have to be strong winds. Both uh, Nicole and I have been on, on island life, lived the island life um, at different points in our lives. And so we we're very familiar with Electricity being very, very sensitive, um, it's almost like blowing out a candle and that would knock the electricity out. So who knows? But so it's, you know, it's um, it's just part of part of being out in the middle of the ocean. But there was, you know, some flooding, um, which did affect, you know, sort of the main part of, of NASA there for a little while. And um, there's a woman there, Chella Phillips, her um, she she's a woman who does a lot with rescues and she you may have read about her. She took in 97 homeless dogs. And in the, on the islands, they call them pot cakes, P-O-T, cakes, pot cakes. I don't know why. I've never been able to find that answer out. But she took 97. they eat from pots. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Millie's a pot cake. Yeah, that's Mildred. She's a little pot cake dog. <laughs> that's right. Millie, one of um, Dr. Nicole's dogs came. Yes, and your cats, too. They don't call them pot cats. Pot cakes for cats. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyways, you're very familiar with that, and um, and so that was just amazing. You know, uh, on the one hand, it's just totally amazing. She's been able to raise a lot of funds on her Facebook page. If you're interested at all, um, I'll tell you what I think it is because I'm not a Facebook user, so I don't really truly know. Um, but she spelled instead of pot cake, you know, p o t c a k e, she has it p a w t. Cake, Cute. Refuge Inc., and it's um, the Voiceless Dogs of NASA. So either one of those, you know, I'm sure you'll be able to pull it up if you were interested in helping. And I know she's done some work with, um, you know, trying to get the dogs to the U.S. and to Canada for adoption, and that's all great. So if you, you know, are are interested in that, that's great. Um, but if you're somebody like me. Even though I think that's great, I also think that this is constantly a never-ending problem, and that um, and that that doesn't sit well with me. You know, I like uh, deeper. Um, this is great for an immediate stuff. I'm not saying anything bad about that at all. Um, and and yeah, I mean, it's just fantastic that she took all these dogs into her home. But on a bigger side, that homeless issue anywhere. In any country on earth will always be an issue unless there's a huge spay and neuter program going on with it. And so, um, you know, so, you know, if I ever am able to contact her, apparently they're just totally overwhelmed with emails. I can only imagine. They said that they're not replying to most of them. I can imagine why. Um, but at some point, you know, it might be 
you know, worth it to, if you're at all interested, and I know I am, just saying, you know, what what it what can be done to sort of get at the root of the problem, which is spay and neuter, you know, because um, then there won't be so many homeless dogs all over the place, right? Every country is affected by it. So, um, so yeah, and I um, I do want to say a couple more things about that. Of course, you know, pet appreciators. I totally, totally believe in rescue, but um, um, there's times like with Dr. Nicole, with her dog, Millie, that all worked out great. There's been times where you take a dog off of a street that only knows street life can be an extreme challenge and sometimes not the best thing, you know, um, unless there's a lot of help with trainers and people, behaviorists that really understand the transition that that dog will go through. And I do want to talk a little bit about that. On the other side, we are, however, coming up to a commercial break. And so I'm going to have to just ask if we can put our words and thoughts on hold and then jump in again, um, um, you know, at the end of the, the uh, or at the start of the next segment. But again, I'm totally into rescue, totally into helping these dogs. But there has to be like a little reality check, too, to make it a win, 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 win situation for everybody. Please stay with us. Chances are after spring cleaning, you missed a spot. A couple really big spots, like your roof and siding. Run your fingers across your siding. You'll likely get a gross residue. And your roof probably has some black streaks too. Your roof and siding aren't always easy to clean, but they're definitely the most visible parts of your home that give it its curb appeal. So let Blue Sky Services clean your roof and siding. Blue Sky's safe soft wash method won't cause any damages and will make your home look like new. Right now, Blue Sky Services is running their summer special where you can get your whole house, roof, and siding clean starting at only $447. That's the most viewed parts of your home clean for only $447. Then mention AM950 when you call Blue Sky Services to get an additional $50 off. So get the curb appeal back on your home and call Blue Sky Services at 952-467-2447. That's 952-467-2447. Atheists Talk is the radio show for free-thinking Minnesotans. Listen on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. Every Sunday we bring you science, philosophy, politics, and plain old fun from an atheist point of view. Visit our website at minnesotaatheists.org for more details. Tune in to Atheists Talk Radio Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's good radio without the good book. Does your vehicle need some summertime service? Well, head over to Rudy Luther Toyota. The last thing you need is to break down, especially when you're trying to enjoy the summer. Regardless of where you've purchased your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is your number one destination for auto service and repair. A larger repair or just routine maintenance? Easily schedule up your appointment on their website, RudyLutherToyota.com. Drop off as a breeze. Their waiting area is top-notch, and they do the job right. Get your vehicle serviced at Rudy Luther Toyota, five miles west of downtown Minneapolis on 394. Total Dog Company is the destination dog food and gear store on the west side of the Twin Cities with easy access off of 169. We have a growing group of loyal customers and increasing numbers of referrals from dog professionals and dog parents because we carry quality products, give sound advice, and are easy to do business with. Total Dog Company keeps up on the latest developments in dog nutrition and products. Find us in New Hope off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at TotalDogCompany.com. In the Army National Guard, family means everything. Our parents, they were really supportive that all five of us would join. I got my education because of the Guard. I got to travel a little bit and experience a whole different culture. It helped me get my job, it helped me pay for my house. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard instills pride that you and your family will share. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. sticking with us pet appreciators and if you're just joining us you're listening to the pet connection show here on am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota any thoughts you want to have to our conversation and you know right now we're just talking about rescues with natural disasters and, and that kind of thing but um 
but you're always welcome to call in about anything. We're so flexible and open, Dr. Nicole and I. But anyways, that number is 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. You're always, always welcome on this show. Okay, so anyways, I was talking um, um, a little bit about the whole rescue thing, and Dr. Nicole has had an, a, a wonderful experience you know, with that, um, rescuing from you know, a dog that just lives out on the streets. And I know I've had a number of clients that have done that as well. And for some of them, it's worked out just fine. And for some of them, it's just been a nightmare. And um, and I don't know if it's just that those particular dogs that just had a really hard time adjusting to a new climate and, and um, sort of boundaries and rules and that kind of thing. Um, or, or, or what? But I'm just wondering, Dr. Nicole, if you could speak a little bit to that as well, um, just so people are fully aware um, of, of, you know, the unknown, the unknown life that the dog had before. Yes, I, I totally agree with what you were, you know, kind of trying to explain. It's hard to explain, I think, um, if you haven't seen it, but I'm sure, you know, being on the island, you've seen those dogs, you know, um, little pot cake dogs running all over the place. They, they just learn to exist amongst people, but they don't ever, a lot of them don't ever want you to touch them. Um, and so, yes, like, you know, my dog, Millie, she was a puppy when she was rescued and she's, you know, never had an issue. Like the majority of them, if they're friendly, they never have a problem. But, um, the dogs that I feel the most bad for, I guess, are the dogs that they almost are feral. I mean, they're, they're like a feral cat. So they're truly feral dogs that, you know, they might stare at you and, and look at you and be excited when you throw food down. But um, if you ever tried to capture them, I mean, they would be absolutely terrified. Um, we had a situation when I was in St. Kitts where there was a, a little colony of, of dogs that were living under a, an abandoned bus. And so it took us weeks and weeks and weeks, but we were able to kind of capture all of those dogs and get them into homes with veterinary students. All of them did great, except for one, we weren't able to get him. He just would not let us, let us near him. We tried sedatives, everything. And so after all of that, you know, you're, you're all happy because you saved all these dogs, but then you, you took him away. You took all of his friends away, you know, when he's all by himself. And so I, I still think about him sometimes wondering, like, I'm sure he found another pack of like dogs and I know he still was being fed and things like that. But sometimes you just wonder if we're doing more harm than good for some of them. Um, and I do know, you know, some that have come from even puppy mills are kind of similar to, to that mentality where they just don't want any human interaction. Um, there's been cases, you know, even here amongst friends and rescue where they've, you know, tried to take a dog and, and get him or her socialized. And we had one case where the dog actually jumped through, went through a window, a second story window, just to get away and be outside again, you know, to be free, to not be in a home and things like that. So I just think you have to really, I don't think it's wrong to ever try, but it's nice when there are sanctuaries for some of these dogs where they can live like they want to. They don't have to have human contact. You know, it's almost like wild horses or, you know, something like that. Um, I, I feel like there needs to be more of those because I think those are places where some of these animals are truly the happiest. You know, I think you said that very well, and I agree 100%. Um, you know, because sometimes it does work out. Sometimes it does. But I think if you're if you know you're getting a dog that's only lived in the wild and you want to give it a try, you've got a big yard, you've got um, the financial resources, you know, to try some trainers and behaviorists or whatever, I think that's fantastic. And I think rescues play a really big part because at least there's – these dogs are now under real supervised veterinarian care. You know, they can be bathed. They can, you know, get their health checked. They can get some good nutrition. And and that's just a gift every dog, wild or not wild, rescue or not rescue, deserves. They just deserve that, just like people. You know, we just deserve it. And, um, and so I feel... Um, but that that that's that whole process is all really good. But there's missing components that I think that just keep adding to this, or that we just keep kind of going in circles. And that's the spay and the neuter issue. 
Um, I think there should just be more focus on that. And hopefully once they get into this rescue, I don't know if this particular rescue that we've been referring to in Nassau does spay and neuter at all, um, or if they have a wonderful partnership with other U.S. and Canadian-based rescue organizations that just take care of that and fundraise for it. I'm not sure. Um, but I do agree with Dr. Nicole. There's got, sometimes the middle ground is the best ground for some of these animals. Um, you know, that, that it's just too much of a shock to go into, you know, a home as loving as it is. But obviously it's just too dangerous to be, you know, out on the streets too. So I think that that whole sanctuary you were referring to, Dr. Nicole, is just an outstanding idea. And, um, you know, we're veterinarians and and pet loving people can can still give what they can give the dogs can still benefit from their um, expertise their experience their knowledge their education their love but yet not be forced to you know turn into a a companion pet or um, you know sort of like a regular sort of pet the way that we think of a pet as you know part of the family so I don't know, big, big questions, big ideas, big um, thoughts, you know, nothing will be, you know, resolved today here by noon. <laughs> but um, but at least I, I just think that we should think deep about this stuff, pet appreciators, I really do. We should, it's just more than a nice little rescue, great deeds, oh, I'll take this dog into my home, everything will be fine, you know, kind of thing. There's so much more to it than that. So... Um, but all of these efforts, of course, are, are outstanding, you know, beyond belief. But but there's just some serious missing components, I think, to it that will add to the picture and really make things very, very well-rounded for these dogs in these um, situations, you know. So, um, and then just real quick, Dr. Nicole, and you probably don't have time to finish before the next commercial break. And I know we've touched on it pre- before, probably the last time a devastating hurricane came through. But um, I know that, okay, so my question is, what is sort of the organized national response to these disasters from the veterinarian field? Um, Is it sort of, I know some of the direct rescue, go in, get dogs, come out, is done by, you know, ASA, ASA, uh, what is it, Nicole? ACA. The ASPCA. Thank you. And then, you know, like Animal Humane Society and shelters, you know, some of these big organizations that can that can do that. But is there something specific that veterinarians do? Is there a website, uh, organization? And you, you really won't have time to answer my question. I'm so sorry, but you could on the other side of the commercial break if that's okay with you. But I'm looking for just sure. specific specific veterinarian, you know, if there's a uh, very specific response that just veterinarians, um, you know, coordinate and respond to during these disasters. But we'll find out Dr. Nicole's answer on the other side of this commercial break. Coming up, pet appreciators. In today's challenging world, many of us are asking, but what can I do? I'm Gail Shore with Cultural Jambalaya, and I asked the same question, so I formed a small nonprofit to try to make a difference. We create educational videos featuring my global photography and cultural experiences that we offer to teachers without charge to broaden worldviews of their students. These videos help to break down cultural barriers and promote understanding and respect for all people. That's what we do. We also know that there are many others doing great work, and we recognize them at our annual Diversity Awards. This year, we'll celebrate students from Stillwater, Asian American leaders, and educators from South St. Paul and Rochester. The Cultural Jambalaya Diversity Awards will take place Thursday, October 3rd at the Metropolitan in Golden Valley. And while tickets for the Cultural Jambalaya are now sold out, you can still follow along what's happening by going to their social media accounts. Just search Cultural Jambalaya or visit their website at culturaljam.org. That's culturaljam.org. 
The Center for Spirituality and Healing is offering mindfulness-based stress reduction, an eight-week course that will help you learn about the physiology and science of stress. You'll learn about taking control of your life, being aware of influences that affect your health and well-being, finding peace of mind, and returning to balance in a chaotic world. Discover how to consciously deal with stress, pain, illness, and the challenges of everyday life. Beginning September 19th, space is limited. Register now at csh.umn.edu. Hackers, ransomware, security breaches. As I speak, cybercriminals are stepping up their attacks on businesses like yours. Hi, Mark Sommerfeld of Rymark. Rymark has the expertise and experience necessary to navigate your company to safe water. We launch our process with a network security assessment. We'll uncover the hidden threats to your business and provide you with a map to peace of mind. And it's free. Call 651-328-8900 or go to rymarkit.com to schedule your free security assessment today. Our climate is in crisis and it's time we talk about what we can do for our future. So let's talk about solutions at the 55th Annual Nobel Conference, Climate Change Facing Our Future. It takes place September 24th and 25th at Gustavus Adolphus College. Seven leading thinkers address climate change, inviting you to consider what tools are available, what research efforts do we require, and what kind of people do we need to be to conceptualize and address global climate challenges. You are invited to consider how the changes to the Earth's climate system are vast, without precedent, and of such magnitude and scale as to potentially alter life itself. There will be over 4,000 people on campus for the Nobel Conference discussing these issues. You're invited to attend one or both days to experience the presentations and Q&A. There's even a live stream you can watch. So let's talk about causes and consequences of climate change and our responses to the challenges it presents to us as individuals and as a society at the Nobel Conference. Again, it takes place September 24th and 25th at Gustavus Adolphus College. Full schedule and tickets at gustavus.edu slash Conference. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today we got showers with a high near 59. Tonight's mostly cloudy with a low around 56. Tomorrow there's a chance of storms with a high near 69. Tuesday mostly sunny with a high near 78. And Wednesday mostly cloudy with a high near 73. Break away from the ordinary and find a list of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. Great spots for date nights, evenings with friends, or business occasions. These restaurants offer some of the best cuisine the Twin Cities has to offer. Find the list at eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back, pet appreciators. Welcome back to the Pet Connection Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Always feel free to call in 952-946-6205. And it's just me, Kathy Menard, and Dr. Nicole Perrault, who's calling from her home, I think. Um, I forgot to ask you, Dr. Nicole, where you are. Home? Yes, I'm at home right now, okay. but I will be leaving shortly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, but anyways, uh, pet appreciators, again, thanks for, for hanging out with us. You know, so I wanted, uh, before the break, I wanted to ask Dr. Nicole, what do veterinarians, is there an organization or some sort of network system that veterinarians only, you know, sort of um, head up and respond to during these natural disasters? Well, I think, you know, there we use a lot of um, information on VIN, which is a veterinary information network. It's um, kind of a database that... Um, you know, many or most veterinarians throughout the world are members of. Um, and you can ask case questions and dosage questions and anything that you need to know, like recalls or, you know, public health issues. Um, there's a lot of times where there's disaster relief links and information there. Um, I, because I'm so involved in just my, you know, small animal practice being so busy and then in my rescue, um, I admittedly don't have you know, a lot of ties to the larger disaster relief organizations and things like, t- and things like that. Um, but I think that's probably one of the main places. Um, and then, like you mentioned, places like the Humane Society of the United States, um, you know, the ASPCA, the larger rescues, um, I think those are going to be the people that usually will head up disaster relief. And then I'm assuming there is some type of veterinary not like a call list or a call sheet, but there's probably an organization for that, just like there is for like the American Association of Feline Practitioners, the AFP, you know, so anything with felines, people are in that group. And then same with horses and things like that. So I'm assuming that there is one similar um, to that for disaster relief. I'm just not 100% sure of what it's called or, or who runs it. 
Well, it's it's so reassuring to know. Yeah, no, no, no. And that was great information. It's, it's just so reassuring, you know, because um, you may not hear about these groups of people, <clears throat> specialized talents or skills or education, whatever, uh, the fields that they're in. But it's just so good to know that, um, you know, there's so many groups out there that can that can fill a certain need. And um, veterinarians are no exception to that. That's for sure. So, yes, indeed. But um, I wanted to, um, you know, switch the topic here a little bit. One thing that I, I've never talked to Dr. Nicole about, I'm so curious about your, your thoughts on this, Dr. Nicole, and I'm hoping that you do have thoughts because maybe I should have asked you if you even do. <laughs> but the last maybe <laughs> year or so, maybe it's been longer, you know, every once in a while I'll hear about cloning. And it's not a topic that I'm that interested in, so... You know, I read it on a headline somewhere, and that's it. I mean, seconds later, it's gone out of my mind. I'm just not that interested. And um, I also think it's um, uh, just me personally. I just <clears throat> I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. And so, um, yeah. So I just I just don't have a lot of thoughts on it. But it seems to be in the news a little bit more. And I know recently in the last week or two, it was like some successful cloning in in China of somebody's pet dogs or something, you know. And I kind of get it. I mean, I kind of do. But I don't really know if it's to the benefit of the pet or the benefit of the human. And I don't know if if I'm reading too much into it and thinking too much into it. Um, but I'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts are or anybody else who has any thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton of thoughts on, on that, but I I feel like, I guess, maybe I, I understand that, you know, it's something that's up and coming and um, it's been going on for, you know, several years ever since they, you know, that little sheep dolly was cloned. Um, I think her name was Dolly. I could be remembering that wrong, but I think it was. Um, it just feels there's something about it that feels wrong, <laughs> you know, like we're interfering with nature in a way that maybe isn't what we should be doing. But um, I guess I, that, I'm so far removed from it that I, I guess I couldn't form any other type of educated thought as, as, as I guess, further than that, um, at least on that. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just sort of wondering because I was like, you know, is it, is it, um, I'm sure there hasn't been enough studies done to see if it's actually harmful to the actual animal that is cloned. You know, that would be interesting to see if there's, if it enhances physical life and, and traits and um, health issues or if it's somewhere along the gene system um, exasperates everything. I'm not really sure. You know, the whole ethical thing is, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I have a hard time thinking about it is that, yeah, where does it fall fall inside of me on that? It just seems um, too uh, bizarre to me. Um, but then on the other hand, does it help with um, health? Does it help with um, quality of life, you know, throughout the, the pet's life or the animal's life? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Is it, um, ethical? Of course, I know that we've talked about, you know, that we've touched on that a little bit. Um, is it, you know, in some ways less expensive to have a clone pet because you already kind of know, um, genetically what the medical costs might be and how to prepare for that? Um, you know, I don't know. And if the dog, and then this is probably thinking too much, but, you know, I think a lot. Um, you know, let's say that you fed your dog one particular diet and then your dog passed and you had a cloned and here's another dog. Um, I can't imagine it's 100% identical, but identical enough. Um, what if you change that diet or change the physical um, routine of it? Does that affect the dog in any way you know what I mean because it's so I don't know I, I, I just don't know I don't know yeah I just don't know so <laughs> yeah yeah I agree I'm very far removed from it I just 
I know little tidbits about it, and I guess I kind of sounds naive and kind of silly, but I guess I prefer to just stay away from it. It just seems a little, I don't know, just seems risky or there's just, yeah, I don't know, just different, I guess. And I don't know how I feel about it a hundred percent. And it kind kind of ties back into our original topic of rescues because um, there's so many rescues that could use a home, you know, so many of them for whatever reason. Um, And there's definitely a number of them here due to hurricanes, but but whatever, you know, and then along the lines of um, nutrition too, pet appreciation, I wanted to make sure that I brought up, you know, again, um, that whole recall and, and warning against uh, um, not feeding your dogs pig ears. And, um, you know, the CDC is still still has that warning out, maybe the FDA, I'm not quite sure, but, you know, always a good idea to check those websites, the government web- websites and see what those most current recalls are stay updated, you know, just because there's a recall, it doesn't mean it's going to get into the news um, ASAP, you know, with our pets. So be a little bit proactive about that. Um, but, you know, Dr. Nicole, pig ears is such a, it's been around dogs' lives forever. And so why now? Is it just a certain batch, a huge batch, or what's the deal with that? Yeah, I guess I'm not, I wasn't even aware that there was a recall with that, Um so I guess I don't know the specifics behind it or if they're, I mean, are they saying that there was some type of toxin or are they just saying that they were causing, you know, GI obstructions and things like that? I mean, I've always recommended that people never feed those um, only because they're just so hard and I feel like they splinter easily and can cause perforation and obstruction. So I guess I wasn't aware of the recall. I thought it was, Do, well, I, sh- I should probably look it up here real quick, but um, um, sel- I thought it was salmonella that was making people and and the dog sick in, in a number of states, mm. like over twenty states. So it is definitely um, you know something to if you're not familiar with the pet appreciators, definitely, and you have pig ears at home, they're even saying whatever's in your cupboards just throw away. So I thought it was just maybe this huge batch, um, you know, or something that went you know distributed to pet stores nationwide but but yeah so definitely pay attention to that pet appreciators if you have the pig ear treats at home it's been the the warning's been out now for at least two or three weeks if not more so you know if you're um not up to date on it and you've been really busy or you're just not checking the news on that kind of stuff just make sure you're aware of it that's for sure so, but anyways, um, we do have a few minutes, and I always like to take a few minutes to to find out anything new with um, the many personalities and and dogs and cats that are part of Tough Start, on Dr. Nicole's rescue, um, T U F F Tough Start Rescue, and I'm just wondering if you have any updates, um, or if there's been some new pets um, with some new interesting um, health issues that have been um, introduced to your rescue. Oh, yes, it's never dull. <laughs> never, ever dull for us. Um, just uh, just yesterday, um, I was at the clinic just catching up on some work or trying to catch up on some work um, and taking care of um, the rescue kitties there and got a message about a little puppy that the owners could not afford the care for. Um, it's actually a blood relative to little Petrie, whom everybody probably remembers. He's a German Shepherd that had the persistent right aortic arch surgery, and he's doing amazing. Um, and so we said, yes, we would take the little puppy. His name is Spirit. He's a seven-week-old German Shepherd. And um, so he's been hospitalized um, at one of the local ER facilities overnight. Um, very, very, very sick. Um, they don't think it, it doesn't appear to be anything similar to what Petrie had, um, but he has aspiration pneumonia. So something, whatever it was, whether it was parasites or a virus, you know, caused him to vomit and then he aspirated that and has aspiration pneumonia, um, as well as vomiting and diarrhea. He's, you know, very skinny. He's dehydrated. He's weak. He's dull. Um, he just had an ultrasound, like, right before the show started. I had to call him and say, I'm going to be unavailable for an hour. <laughs> um, and they said, oh, it was fine. It was fine. So I was like, oh, thank God. So um, because if he had had a bowel obstruction, he would have gone right into surgery, and that would have been like four to $6,000. So I was kind of a little bit frantic. <laughs> um, but they said, no, he that the ultrasound was was pretty normal. Um, so that's good. So we're just going to continue staying the course with that little guy. He's on like a gazillion meds and IV fluids and around the clock care. Um, 
so that's our newest endeavor that's you know very very recent um and then we've had just a slew of kittens coming in with those little cute arebras. I'm not sure if you've ever seen those. No, <laughs> Are no. you familiar with that? Uh-uh. So it's a, it's a botfly larva. It sounds super gross, and they are quite gross. But um, we've had, I think, four kittens so far come in. Um, and you'll, you'll know that that's what it is because they have a hole usually in their neck um, or on their face or, you know, on their side. Um, but it's from a bot fly, and the larval the larval stages burrow in through like the nose or the mouth, and they kind of migrate, and then they come out for air. It's really terrible. It's like a big moving slug, but they're big. Ooh. I hope nobody's eating. Yeah. So we've had four of those come in that we've had to pull those bot fly larvae out of there. Um, and you know, and Dr. Doing Nicole, great. You know, we're, I'm just going to have to. Uh, this is a great story. I hate to interrupt, but the but the commercial <laughs> break. So just, yeah. we'll come right back to the larva. Oh, this is a <laughs> horrible horror story, Dr. Nicole. We'll be right back, Pet Appreciators. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and designed jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. Hi, this is Evelyn. Dad, don't make me do what you made Charlie do. You want to drive, right? Fine. My dad is cooler than all YouTube and Instagram celebrities combined. Matt McNeil. That's lit. Whatever. I'm getting ready to start my behind-the-wheel driver's training, and my dad says the only vehicles he wants me learning in are Toyotas. Fine with me, because I love them, too. The vehicles I trust for my young children are the vehicles I trust for their own driving adventure. It's safety and security you can't beat. Test drive a fantastic Toyota today at Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 West of the Downtown in Golden Valley. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club is delighted to offer its spacious facilities for your private function. From weddings, retirement parties, business dinners, or any special occasion, Crooner's combines a dedicated, full-service special events team, an award-winning chef, and a beautiful lakeside ambiance to make your event a resounding success. Visit croonersloungemn.com to learn more about their private dining options, or call 763-571-9020 to get a quote for your next event today. I'm Richard R.J. Eskow, and this week on The Zero Hour, we'll be discussing political corruption, Wall Street shenanigans, our corporate overlords, digital dystopia, and maybe throw in a surprise or two as well. All this and more on The Zero Hour every Sunday night from 9 until midnight on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Tom Hartman here for All Energy Solar. One of the myths about solar is that you save more if you wait, but waiting to switch can actually cost you more. While tax rebates make solar affordable, those rebates are often limited and decrease over time. So when you wait, you risk losing some of the incentives that make solar so easy to afford today. And besides, the sooner you get your All Energy Solar system, the sooner you reduce or even eliminate that high electricity bill. Make the switch today at allenergysolar.com. Thanks for sticking with us, Pet Appreciators. And if you're just joining us, it's the Pet Connection Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Kathy and Dr. Nicole here. And Dr. Nicole was just starting a story, a very gross one, about bot larvae. Am I saying that right? Buried. That burrow into the skin of cats. And then they create these holes. Ugh. Go ahead. Yeah. They're very common in rabbits, um, you know, at this time of the year, um, within the past month or so. But... I just cannot believe how many we have seen, even as, you know, just as veterinarians treating 
people, you know, clients, kittens and things that have come in with them. Um, but four for sure came in um, with them in our rescue. We had Ferrari and Barracuda. Um, and then we had um, Niles and Fraser were the last two <laughs> um, silly names. But, um, and they're all doing fine. But, but yeah, so they, they will kind of, this gross, nasty, I mean, you'll have to look it up. If you Google or YouTube like a cuta rebra, it's with a C, so C-U-T-E-R-E-B-R-A. That was really hard to do without writing it down, so I don't even know if I spelled that right. Okay. <laughs> but um, it's called a, a cuter rebra, and um, they're just quite disgusting, and they come up for, they need to come out for air. So you'll see a big swelling or a big sore on the kitten, usually, like I said, on the face or the neck. They can be in their nostril. They're kind of awful. Um, and then you wait until you see that little bugger come up, and you you gently but you gently grab it with a forcep or excuse me a hemostat and you very slowly pull it out because the concern is if you ever are pulling one out and it breaks or ruptures it can cause an anaphylactic reaction in the cat that can be fatal so it's very crazy um i've never had that happen knock on whatever we're just very careful when we remove them um but the the ones that Ferrari and sorry I'm sorry Niles and Fraser one of them I can't even recall which one had the biggest one I've ever seen it was like maybe half of the size of my thumb you know pulling that out of the neck of like a one or one and a half pound kitten um, and you can tell the kittens feel immediately better and then we just flush the wound and we put them on antibiotics um, but it's just been it's been crazy it's been a busy year for them they're really nasty. Um, and I just feel bad for all the feral cats and the rabbits that have to deal with, with these things because no one's treating them out there. Um, and, you know, in severe cases, they can migrate actually into their brain. So, I mean, it's it's a bad situation. Um, but that's why, you know, make sure your animals are not outside, especially around rabbit dens, things like that. Um, I don't, I've never heard of one in a dog, but definitely kittens and rabbits. And why is that? I don't know if it's just because they're, you know, they're lower to the ground and, you know, they, they tend, I mean, at least rabbits, they tend to nest in in areas that are on the ground, um, you know, closer to maybe where the eggs have, I I just don't, I don't know, but it is odd. I I don't know the reason why I haven't ever seen one in a dog. Okay. So what do these things look like? When they're not buried inside <laughs> what, your animal, what, what do they look like? Well, they look like a like. Have you ever heard of a warble? What? Uh, uh, like, what you say? I was going to say a caterpillar. No, I've heard of a warble, but I I just can't picture it. Yeah, like warbles happen on cattle, and so they're very similar to that. But they're like a little. I guess you could say a fat caterpillar. They're definitely not cute. They don't have fur or anything like that. Um, and they're just, they're always moving. You pull them out and they're just, they're still trying to move and still trying to find a place to feed. And they're just really disgusting. Are they like um, an inch or two? I mean. Yeah, like some are teeny tiny. So like maybe the size of like your thumbnail. Um, others could be, you know, three to four times that size. They can be huge. But you'll be able to find a gazillion pictures if you just, Google it. <laughs> Probably more information than you ever wanted to know, but especially on a Sunday morning. Are they but, more in the um, r- rural areas just because of the types of grass and fields and, you know, high would, high grass and weeds and stuff? Or I would say maybe, but I think any place where a rabbit, you know, could have their little den. I mean, we see rabbits in town and backyards of cities. So I think any place is fair game. Um, but it's usually, I think, in areas where, yeah, there would be proper nesting environment, um, if that makes any sense. I've never heard of this in my life, and I find this just so disturbing. <laughs> yeah, we always call it, it is, we always call it cute rebra season, because, I mean, it does happen every year. Last year, I thought it was bad, and this year, I think it's just pretty awful. We had another kitten come in. Um, she only weighed like 0.8 pounds. She's super cute, really, really sassy. We actually named her Sassy, um, which always makes me laugh when they're like, they think they're so tough and they're hissing and they weigh like 0.8 pounds. It's like you could hold her in your hand. <laughs> it's yes. really funny. But so she had a little 
um, a wound in her neck, and I was for, I was so sure that she was going to have a cuter reaper in there. But I'm guessing it either fell out or something else happened because there was nothing else that I could see. Um, hopefully, it wasn't something icky that migrated somewhere into her body, but I, I think it had fallen out because there was like an entrance and an exit area, and I wasn't sure what else could have caused a hole like that in the neck of a small kitten. So, but hopefully that nasty thing is dropped off somewhere in the environment and, you know, passed away. Somebody <laughs> stepped on it accidentally or maybe a horse's hoofed it or something. But Yeah, um, yeah, they're pretty nasty. Oh, I've never heard of this. Okay, so my, my, I still have some questions, though. Okay, so you said four kitties have come in, and then you mentioned this fifth one. Why kitties? And were they all part of the same, like, did they all live in the same household or barn or something? Or was it just sort of a fluke thing? Five different kitties, five different homes, five different environments, five different days. Nope, they were all completely different times, you know, of the week, different weeks, different areas. Um, I mean, they came in kind of in twos, like Niles and Fraser came in together, um, Ferrari and Barracuda, and actually... I think I misspoke. I don't think Ferrari had one. Barracuda did, though. We actually have it on. We have. We took a video of it, um, so I can send it if you ever want, Kathy. But oh, <laughs> um, so those two came from different areas, and then um, this new little sassy. She was from a completely different area and came in weeks later. And then we've had clients bringing in little kittens that they've found outside. Um, so I think it, it just doesn't matter. I think whenever botfly season is at its high peak, then that's when we see all of these cute rebras coming in. Oh, this is just so mind-blowing. I know, I thought you didn't have a nightmare tonight. <laughs> I didn't even know this existed. Only in the world of a veterinarian, I suppose. Oh, my gosh. This is horrible. But indoor cats don't really pose that risk. Can, can they be on Correct. dogs that are outside a lot and then be, be transferred inside and then get on the cat? Is that a... I don't think so. I think that would be very rare. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I can't picture that happening. It seems to occur in animals that are spending a lot of time bedded down. Um, you, you'd think it'd be something that you'd see in deer, but I don't know that we see that. And I'd have to look that up. Of course, we would not know because they're not coming into the vet. But um, it seems like small animals that are close to the ground and spend a lot of time in those kind of bedded bedding areas where rabbits would be would be affected most. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, pet appreciators, we're going to leave it with that. And Dr. Nicole, thank you so much for all your great information. Um, that was all 100% totally new to me. Um, pet appreciator, let's keep um, keep uh, humanity in our minds today and then it, and for the rest of the week uh, as we go into a new week here, including animals. Wish everybody the very best. Take good care. <laughs>